Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night, and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. We've got another treat for you today for Song of the Soul. My guest is singer-songwriter and all-around creative person, Susan Werner. The thing that drew me to contact Susan is a controversial and much-lauded musical project of hers called The Gospel Truth. The project produced some wonderful fruit, as well as drawing ire from both ends of the religious spiritual spectrum, so you can be sure it was something worthwhile. Susan Werner joins us today by phone from Chicago. Susan, thanks so much for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. You're down in Chicago. Are you Chicago native? Is this hometown and homeland always? Well, I grew up in eastern Iowa and moved to Philadelphia to go to graduate school. And Then I moved to Chicago about nine years ago. I've been here ever since, and I do feel like this is really my home. It's great to be within driving distance of my parents and family in Iowa in Minnesota and in Wisconsin, and I feel like I've found the biggest big city within reach of all the small towns and the rural landscape. That means so much to me. I feel like this really is my home and will be my home till the end of my days. So you're happily situated there in Chicago. Is that also important to you in terms of your musical career? I like being somewhere where you can hire a bass player at any hour of the day or night. <laughs> and there are bass players and drummers and sidemen aplenty here in Chicago. And so there's every kind of musician and every kind of teacher you could ever want. And I like being in a city of 2 million, 5 million, almost 10 million in the metro area. I feel like anything I'd want, I can pretty much find a variety of it right here in Chicago. And I assume that also means there's a lot of outlets. I assume you get out a lot performing? Well, I perform all over the U.S. and Canada. I don't know that I perform in Chicago any more than anywhere else. 
But I do get to uh, collaborate with people and write with people and rehearse and, again, take lessons and practice. And all of that I do right here in Chicago. I have an office at 410 South Michigan in the Fine Arts Building. I can walk 25 minutes to my office anytime I want to go there and work. And uh, it's so great to walk to your office and walk home. I got to know you because of this gospel music project that you got involved in, this special surprising gift to the world that you did. Is that roots for you? Well, it's ironic that my first encounters with music were really the Franciscan nuns who were singing at Mass. I mean, I, I grew up in a in a church-going Catholic family, and after Vatican II, which was just before my time, but Vatican II in 1963, I guess Pope John XXIII said that nuns could be groovy and wear more contemporary clothing. They didn't have to wear habits anymore, and they could play contemporary music on Martin guitars. So they were teaching uh, guitar lessons in my little elementary school, and uh, my brother was taking lessons, and he brought his guitar home, and I said, how do you do that? And he taught me three chords. I was five years old, and that was the most interesting thing I had ever experienced, and it remains an endless source of fascination playing the Martin guitar for me, even at this age, you know, however many, 40 years later. So the church started me on this path, and after many, many years, somehow I found my way back to uh, an encounter with the church in this project called The Gospel Truth. The music that you've picked for your Song of the Soul includes things that are gospel, which you would not have heard in a Catholic church. I, too, was raised Catholic, so I, I can speak firsthand about that. You know, we would have heard Blowing in the Wind and a few others like that, but we wouldn't have heard Blind Willie Johnson, your first song that you chose. How did you connect up with, Lord, I Just Can't Keep From Crying? Well, I thought I was going to write a blues project, and I started listening to different kinds of slide blues and I came across Blind Willie Johnson, and his music really is gospel blues. It has a little different flavor to it than most blues. Much of the blues is about you know, someone cheating on you, or, or the booze is bad, or someone's sick, or you yourself are sick. And these things, these are, these are, these are always topics that will speak to everyone and, and forever. But there was something about this longing in Blind Willie Johnson's music, something about this desire to get somewhere more transcendent, somewhere higher, somewhere deeper, somewhere more, that really spoke to me and and made me want to do a little different project than I had foreseen. I didn't know what it meant yet, but I knew that this moved me very much, and I kept listening to it and waiting for it to tell me what what it was I was looking for. Was this part of a spiritual movement for you as well? I mean, you can like gospel music without being particularly into the gospel. Was this touching you on that spiritual edge also? There was something about a search for meaning. There was something about having a certain amount of success with my work and and with my personal life and and what does that what does that happiness and success mean? What does it really mean? And for a lot of us the church is the default setting in terms of where you go to look for meaning. It's avenue number one. The church is right there. So it seemed like something to explore. I did, again I didn't know what it meant and I didn't have all the answers but I've learned anymore to follow out the questions. If the question's a good one, there's something creative in there, and there's something artistic in there. I didn't know where this was going to lead me, but I knew I wanted to know something more. And this Blind Willie Johnson music was really the doorway to the whole thing. And he's singing for us here today, Lord, I just can't keep from crying. I just can't keep from crying sometimes. I just can't keep from crying Sometimes, and my heart for the sorrow, and my heart filled with tears. I keep from crying sometimes. 
My mother often told me Ain't the one that's to love away She said I wouldn't compilate But trust in God and pray I'm on the king's highway I'm trusting him every day But I just can't keep from crying sometimes Well, I just can't keep from crying sometimes When my heart full of sorrow And my heart filled with tears Lord, I just can't keep from crying I'm mother, she's in glory Thank God I'm on my Lord, I just can't keep crying. First song for Susan Warner's Song of the Soul. You know, I don't really relate to that song very much on the gospel or spiritual end of things. I mean, I, I know that it does do what you were talking about. I mean, it talks about the meaning, you know, the, all the stuff that's really going badly in our lives. What's the meaning? But it doesn't express much about what he found. Certainly the church is, as you said, the place where we frequently look for some kind of meaning. So, did you get any meaning out of it? <laughs> I, I just knew that there was longing, and and sometimes just finding someone or something to accompany you on your own path is comfort enough. Uh, I heard this music. I mean, Blind Willie Johnson also wrote, you know, soon and very soon we're going to see the king. There are other songs that are maybe a stronger example of the gospel component of his writing, but something about his the longing in his music made me feel like I was not alone with whatever it was that I was going through. And, and that that company is, I think, much of what we look for in music is someone to tell me I am not crazy out here. Well, you also chose a song by Claire Lynch called Paul and Peter Walked. So was she one of your compatriots on this journey that you're walking? Once I began to write songs with this gospel project in mind, whatever that meant, whether the songs were of the tradition of the church or contrary to the tradition of the church, whether the songs asked questions of the church, I simply began to listen to a lot of gospel music. And Claire Lynch is a great artist who has written so many songs and sung so many songs in such a winning way. You just want to sing along. And I just loved how the song made me feel. It just made me want to sing along. The words are so clear. There's such a clear image of Paul and Peter walking across the land what it's like to be an apostle, a disciple, with a message in your heart and a mission. And 
this music was just very winning to me. And I've since learned that she's singing and recording one of my songs now. So this is fantastic to have someone you admire who's turned to your own songs and incorporated them in her in her work. Very, very rewarding. And I'm a big fan of this song. I think it's just so appealing. This song just goes down so easy. Absolutely right. It's Paul and Peter Walked, Claire Lynch. Paul and Peter walked across the land They told the story of just one man A carpenter from Galilee Who healed the sick and made the blind man see Yes, Paul and Peter walked They did not ride They had no chariot and they could not fly So Paul and Peter walked One step at a time Across the mountains and the valleys wide through the Song of Soul with Susan Werner. She's part of something called the Gospel Project, right? Is that what you call it? Well, the project was called the Gospel Truth, and it was an attempt to speak in the language of music about the church in America and to speak about the things that are difficult and off-putting, in fact, uh, discriminatory within the church, but also to acknowledge the debt that many of us owe to the church for the way that we speak, for the language we use, for the metaphors we use, and for how we live our day-to-day lives. It's a complicated thing to church. It is both for many of us, and I wanted to write a project that took that into account, which doesn't win you friends. With certain people on the far left, they want nothing to do with the church, and certain people on the far right only want their church served a certain way. But this was for all of us in the in-between, and this is by far the most successful project I've ever done. You speak of it as if it's in the past. How long did it go? Where did you go? Aren't you going to continue serving up? I saw some cuts of it on, I guess, maybe via your website. I saw some cuts from it. It looked like wonderful stuff. So is there no hope I'm ever going to be able to see you live doing it? (laughs) Well, I continue to play these songs in all of my shows. So if you come see a show, you'll hear these songs. If you have the good fortune to come when I have Trina Hamlet with me, she's my harmonica player, and she sings harmonies, and... 
she adds gospel harmonies to this and plays harmonica solos over the top that are just fantastic. So you, this is an ongoing part of my show, even though I have a new project out in 2009, and I'll be, I'm already working on what 2011's project might be. These songs are a permanent part of my concert repertory, and the wonderful thing is that other churches and choirs are singing them all around the United States. That's been, I think, the most gratifying part of this entire project is to learn how these songs have found their way into other people's repertory and that it means something to them and their churches. It's fantastic. Was that part of the goal that you set out with? I mean, was it like, I want to change the churches? I want to insert some leaven? I had no idea that people would be singing these songs, and I certainly didn't write them with that in mind. I, I just wanted to account for my own feelings of doubt and faith and how these things sit side by side, and I had an intuition that I was not alone in having the feeling that doubt and faith go hand in hand. That's all I knew at the time I wrote them. To have the songs go as far as they have is, is, is mind-boggling in the most fantastic way. Well, I'm going to prognosticate, which is kind of easy since I have the list of your songs sitting in front of me. But when you chose the song Six Feet of Earth by the Olabel Reed family, I think that that egalitarian nature that they talk about, they sing about, and really some very beautiful harmony in this song, that that is something that's really important to you, this egalitarian, you know, not one person over another. Did you pick this song with at least that in part in mind? I think I was just struck by the directness of this song. It's so simple. It's unadorned. It says what it has to say so plainly and directly. I don't know how anybody can miss what this song has to say and not be moved by it. It's the kind of song that you hear and then you have to turn the stereo off or turn off your iPod or turn off your car radio. You just have to stop for a minute. It's the kind of song that is food for thought in the biggest yet most simple fashion. I admire this song so much, and it inspired me to write another song. Maybe we'll talk about it in a minute, a song of my own. But in the meantime, we'll listen to Six Feet of Earth by the Olabel Reed family. A cup of cold water in charity given is remembered with joy in the sky. We all are but human and we all have to die. And six feet of earth will make us all love one size. Though a man be in tattering rags, we could never reject or despise. For beneath there's a true honest heart And six feet of earth will make us all of one size Some people seek fortune and fame While others try hard but can't rise Through degradation and shame Still Six feet of earth will make us all of one size Yes, a cup of cold water In charity given Is remembered with joy in the sky We all are but human And we all have to die. 
six feet of earth will make us all of one size. A slice of gospel truth, six feet of earth will make us all of one size. That's six feet of earth by the Ola Bell Reed family. And it's one of the songs that Susan Warner has selected for her Song of the Soul. The first three songs that you chose are all part of what got you into this project. When did this project begin, the Gospel Truth Project? When did it start out, and when did it conclude, and where did it go? It went all across the United States and also into Canada. It seemed to puzzle people in Canada a bit. That's a much more secular nation. The Canadian audiences just seemed to kind of shake their heads and smile, like, you know, you you Americans are so strange. (laughs) Meanwhile, in uh, North Carolina, West Virginia, Louisiana, Maryland, people just got up and walked out. Some people just got up and walked out, did not want to hear this, were offended, and just left the show, got up and left. I'd never seen anything like it. The project really came about when I was at the 2006 Chicago Gospel Music Festival. I was so knocked out by the performances by the gospel choir. I was so knocked out. And I was there with my friend Kenny Feinberg. She's Jewish and me, uh, Catholic. And, and we're both clapping along, singing at the top of our lungs with this 100-piece choir from Atlanta, just going out of our minds in the crowd. Everyone's out of their minds. We're all singing at the top of our lungs. And she says, I love this music. And I said, I love it too. And she says, How do you get the joy without the Jesus? And I thought, that's a great question, right? That's a great question. Because any Jewish person is going to ask this question, right? Like, here's the gospel music so great. Well, how do you as a Jew relate to that music? What does that mean? And how do those of us that aren't quite sold on the whole thing, those of us described as atheists or agnostics or skeptics or lapsed Catholics or people not just not so sold on the whole church thing, um, how do we relate to this music and how do we relate to the message in it? And I set out at that point to write songs that took both of these things into account, how moving the music can be, how inspirational the music can be, and how inspired we can be by the message of the church and its best spokespeople, and also how we have to look out for the extremes that the church tends to take when left alone in the corner too long. Which I guess leads us to your next song, Why Is Your Heaven So Small? I mean, certainly that's one of the things that drives some people away from church, the idea that maybe the church their idea of heaven is so compact that it won't admit in the mass of people, including some really wonderful people we know. And you know, it's like, why are you trying to write them out of the book? When did this song come up for you? And any particular events that crystallized it for you? Well, I've had some interesting conversations with people since this project came out. And I've learned that the term, I guess, is exclusivism. And I have a friend who went to Harvard Divinity School and And she was explaining this concept to me one night. She said, so the idea is that some people have to be excluded for your group to be intact. You have to have people who fit in the group and people who don't fit in the group. And this is called exclusivism. Evangelical Christianity has this element of exclusivism, which, you know, if you accept Jesus by these certain rules and and such, then you're in. And if you don't, then you're out. Myself, I I don't believe that spirituality works that way or should work that way. I don't think God would have designed it that way. I don't even believe in God necessarily. This all just seems to be of a human of human design to me, that you need to exclude somebody. That seems to suit human needs. I'm not sure it suits, suits God, um, frankly. So this song speaks to that, this need to exclude and this need to condemn. And in the end, I was pleased with the song because in the end, the singer sort of opens opens her hand to this person who is so condemning and says, but my friend, imagine it if you would, a love much mightier than us all. Imagine something more. Imagine something bigger. That, to me, is always the most powerful part about this song, that the singer turns to include this person who cannot quite include them. 
I guess I should pass on a little anecdote. I'm part of the Quaker meeting here in Eau Claire, and we did some rotations. There's a prison nearby, and we they would rotate in different church groups to do Christian worship service on Sunday nights, and so we'd take a turn each year. The Unitarians also did that, and the minister from the Unitarian Church went, and she entitled her sermon when she went, How Big Is Your Heaven? Some of the listeners were so incensed by her asking the question that they got stood up and they made it so that the Unitarians were never invited back to give service there because they weren't straight enough Christian. So your image in the song, you know, fists that shake and people say, you know, you're bound for hell. These were the people in the prison who were saying that, of course, to the Unitarian minister. It's extremely sad when I think of that, and you capture it so well, the issue in your song, Why Is Your Heaven So Small? This is by Susan Werner. Excuse me, sir, what did you say? You shout so loud it's hard to tell. You say that I must change my ways, for I am surely bound to hell. Well, I know you'd damn me if you But my friend, that's simply not your call If God is great and God is good Why is your heaven so small? You say you know, you say That holy Bible upon the shelf Do you recall when Jesus said Judge not lest ye be judged yourself For I know you'd damn me if you could But my friend, that's simply not your call Why is your
your heaven so small. Susan, do you actually have experiences of face-to-face? I guess maybe you did when you were doing the Gospel Truth Project. You went around and some people, I don't know if they raised their fists, but they stood up and walked out. I mean, did you have people saying, you know, you're going to go to hell? Heathen. (laughs) Somebody called me a heathen. Some other people bring pamphlets, just quietly bring pamphlets, thinking that, you know, if I read this, my mind would be changed or I could be swayed somehow. Um, I think most of us have had encounters with intolerance here or there, whether it's, you know, the preachers on college campuses. I went to the University of Iowa, and there was always a preacher out on the Pentecost, which is the highest, it's a hillside uh, above the river. And there was always a preacher standing on top of some box and just, sending everybody to hell. Um, To some people, this is just really important that some people are in the club and some people are not in the club. It seems to me that energy could be better spent on something else, but for some people, this is such an essential tenet to their spiritual path. I don't know what it's made of, but I, I suspect there's some fear at the root of it. Hopefully things can ease up and we can all, you know, we can all find a way to just get along, I guess, as Rodney King said. Well, what I think was very impressive about your project is it's not just about trashing the people who are, you know, the right wing, the exclusivist, uh, the the people who are maybe a little bit too strict. You were also saying, here's my experience with religion. So like the next song you chose did trouble me. You're talking about that impulse that's happening in you. Again, now, did this come from a particular experience of yours, or is this just a thought, a discussion? Where did this come from for you? When I began to work on this gospel project, I went to a Catholic bookstore down the street from my office. It had many different kinds of Bibles. It had Mormon Bibles. It had the King James. It had the New International Version. It had all kinds of Bibles. But there was a Catholic Bible that had some cool pictures in it. <laughs> so I bought that. And um, I started reading the Gospels. And something that kept coming back to me in the language of the Gospels was conscience and knowing when you're doing right and knowing when you're doing wrong. And it seems to me that having a conscience, well, it's just, it's a mostly pretty good thing to have a sense of when you're doing right and when you're not doing so right. Was it Abraham Lincoln who said, I feel good when I do good and when I do bad, I feel bad. The conscience can be a guide for all of us and somehow this song came about and it sounded so traditional, the language sounded so much of the Gospels. I knew that it came from from reading the Gospels and felt very much of a piece with the tradition of church music by guys like Bill Monroe and Bluegrass Cardinals and, and, and Claire Lynch and um, the Stanley Brothers and the Carter family. It felt very much of a piece with that. This language seems consistent with that. And this song goes everywhere. I've had no one object to this song, no one at all. That's wonderful to have written something that can belong to so many people. No wonder what their religious background may be. So you're saying that even the left wing, which, uh, as you correctly note, I think, can often feel a little bit, uh, you know, religious phobic. You don't even get a bad reaction from that end of the spectrum? This song goes everywhere. It's wonderful. Somehow everyone can get with this song. The language of it, the intent of it, and the feeling of it. It's been very rewarding to sing this song, and it continues, continues to be. Uh, very rewarding. Every time I sing it, you can feel everyone go to a wonderful, absolutely wonderful place in the room. It is in its own way transcendent, and I feel lucky to have been able to write it. When I closed my eyes so I would not see My Lord did trouble me When I let things stand that should not be 
my Lord did trouble me. When I held my head too high, too proud, my Lord did trouble me. When I raised my voice too little, too loud, my Lord did trouble me. Did trouble me with a word or a sign, with the ringing of the bell in the back of my mind. Did trouble me. Did stir my soul for to make me human, to make me whole. When I slept too long, slept too deep. Put a worrisome vision into my sleep. My Lord did trouble me when I held myself away and apart. My Lord did trouble me, and the tears of my brother didn't move my heart. My Lord did trouble me, did trouble me with a word or sign. Did trouble me? Did stir my soul? For to make me human, to make me Susan Warner, who is my guest here for today's Song of the Soul. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, your host for this Northern Spirit Radio production. Our website is northernspiritradio.org. And in addition to the places where this is broadcast, you can always go out to the web and find at northernspiritradio.org this program and many others and links to Susan Warner's site, for instance. And Susan, where are people going to look for music by you? Well, they can find it on iTunes. Uh, if you want to order a whole disc or an individual track, you can get it at Amazon. For more information, you can go to SusanWerner.com, W-E-R-N-E-R.com. I was curious a little bit about your history with respect to instruments. You mentioned, you know, the guitar up front was something that grabbed you. Are you a lot of other instruments as well? I mean, obviously you do beautiful vocals, guitar. Are you keyboards, harmonica? Are you everything, or, or do you just always bring your backup players with you? 
I play two things well. I play piano and guitar pretty well. Other things I play, I play them badly, but <laughs> but I can play them. But those are two things I do focus on, spend time on, is my guitar playing and my piano playing. And, and most halls do have a piano, and I bring my guitar with me, and there's your show. You know, it's really pretty simple. And uh, hopefully you just write good songs that speak to people and speak for people. That's my job, I see it, is just play the music, keep it simple, and hopefully speak for more than just myself. And when you when you went around with the Gospel Truth Project, was this just you traveling, or is it you and the manager, or you and your entire entourage? Is there is there a Susan Werner bus that travels across the United States? Most of my traveling, I fly, and then there's a rental car. And sometimes it'll be just me. Sometimes it'll be me and my road manager. Sometimes it'll be me and Trina, who play harmonica and sing vocals. Sometimes it'll be my entire band, and that'll be my road manager, this woman who's now playing cello for me, which she plays cello and bass on the cello and then Trina on harmonica and vocals. So there can be up to five pieces in a car or a van, depending on what the event is. And um, hopefully the show works every which way. I mean, it's always wonderful to have musicians with you, but sometimes things are communicated most clearly when it's just you in a small room, and you just sing the words as clearly and as meaningfully as possible. And sometimes that does a lot more than turning up the volume and adding the bells and whistles. Well, this next song is probably a good example of that kind of communicating song. It's called Don't Explain It Away. It's kind of a bluesy song. I, I don't know if you tend in the bluesy direction or if you had a native mode that was where you go if you don't think about it, what would it be? I don't know that I have a native language musically. I'm, I'm a traveler, I guess, a nomad musically, but I know that this song came about from listening to the songs of a guy named Chris Smither, who's a fantastic blues guitar player and writer and singer, just the most thoughtful and eloquent writer just a very evolved kind of guy, and also with a great sense of humor. Uh, you don't hear evidence of that in this song. It's a more serious song that I modeled on one of his songs. But Chris is a, a great talent and a real statesman for the blues, and uh, his songs sometimes have this sort of transcendent longing to them that I was speaking about earlier, and I wanted to write a song like that. Uh, and this song is that. This song makes mention of that still small voice inside you, and I know that came from the times that I would sit in Quaker meetings in the Philadelphia area because I lived in Philadelphia so long and I have many friends who are practicing Quakers and I always enjoyed going to their meetings and sitting with them and taking some time to reflect and to see what really was sitting there in in the depths of my heart and the still small voice gets to speak when you give it an hour of silence. It, it always does. And so in that way, maybe this is a, an ode to the Quakers out there who might be listening to this show. Well, let's listen to the song. And then I have a little question for you because when I listen to this, something pops up for me. So rather than explaining it away, I want to just listen to the song, Don't Explain It Away. And it's by Susan Warner, who's here today with me for Song of the Soul. If you find yourself looking at someone at their shining hair, so silky soft and black. If you find yourself smiling at someone and then suddenly you find they're smiling back Well, that's how love comes calling It may call you today Don't stop yourself from falling Don't explain it away If you find yourself in the dead of night In the moonless light In the middle of the woods 
turned around, you turned left and right, and you're lost for now. But you might be lost for good. And you need someone to guide you when you have gone astray. That still small voice inside you don't explain. Explain it away when the moment mystifies you. Don't explain it away, and the feeling will surprise you. Don't explain it away. Don't. Don't explain it away, Susan Warner. And Susan, what I was waiting to ask you about was, so as I listened to that song, the thing that occurred to me, you're writing, and it seems to me with real insight that you sat and that small still voice came to you and it enlightened you. There was something that, you know, you were tempted to, to close off, to deny, to push away. And you didn't do it. Now, is this a real experience or is this just kind of like general human experience you're talking about? I had the sense that you had some kind of a mystical experience someplace, sometime that you were talking about there. I went on a silent retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a, a Buddhist teacher from Vietnam. And I went on another silent retreat at a Zendo in Iowa City. These things are very challenging at first. And then you get in the flow of it, and it does do something to you. I, I, I don't know how to name what it does exactly, but I think it points out some place inside you that is calm and that is constant. Um, you might even say eternal. But I think there's something inside all of us that is calm and constant. To find that, to know that that's there, a sort of wordless place, you can't put words on it, but when you hit it, it's very clear that you're somewhere 
that's a wonderful thing to experience and to know and to be able to call on as a reserve any time that you need it. So I think this song might be a result of some of those experiences of taking time and getting beyond words and, and thoughts and simply being in the present moment with a very focused kind of attention and feeling very fortunate to just even be here as a witness to the day going by. This all sounds very poetic, of course, and abstract, but um, I was very moved by something, and it showed up in this song, I guess. It does. When you center down, as I would use in Quaker terminology, when you center down, those other things that are buffeting you and moving you around, they do tend to recede to the background. They're not the centerpiece anymore. That's kind of the idea I get when I think of your next song, May I Suggest. It's like you're calling someone to consciousness with this song. You're not telling them you have to do this. You're not ordering. It's May I Suggest. Where did May I Suggest come from for you? I had heard that a good friend of mine had passed away, and I didn't know what to do with this. I just didn't know what to do with this news and just sort of this repeating, repeating refrain in my head about now, 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 it's now, it's now, it's now, it's now, it's now. And my friend Faye really lived like that. After her diagnosis, she was just a turned-on person and did so many great things. Something about now, 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 and the song wrote itself rather rapidly, I have to say, and songwriters talk about these things, about songs that write themselves in 20 minutes, and this was uh, an example of one of those songs that seemed to snap together awfully quick, and um, maybe that means the pieces were handy, maybe that just means it's a song that that I needed to write, but I can tell you that no other song I've written has been sung as much as this one. There's a version of Michael Feinstein singing it. Uh, a group named Red Molly out of New Jersey does a beautiful version of it. My friends Vince Gilbert and Ellis Paul have recorded it. It just is a song that seems to speak for a lot of people, and it's a very rewarding song to sing every time I sing it because you can feel the audience going somewhere they want to go to, somewhere they want to go to. May I suggest... May I suggest to you, may I suggest this is the best part of your life. May I suggest this time is blessed for you. This time is blessed and shining almost blinding bright. Just turn your head and you'll begin to see. The thousand reasons that were just beyond your sight The reasons why Why I suggest to you Why I suggest this is the best part of your life There is a world That's been addressed to you Addressed to you, intended only for your eyes A secret world, a treasure chest to you Of private scenes and brilliant dreams that mesmerize A tender lover's smile, a tiny baby's hand the million stars that fill the turning sky at night Oh, I suggest Yes, I suggest to you Yes, I suggest this is the best part of your life There is a hole 
that's been expressed in you. The hope of seven generations, maybe more. This is the faith that they invest in you. It's that you'll do one better than was done before. Inside you know, inside you understand. Inside, you know what's yours to finally set right. And I suggest, and I suggest to you, and I suggest this is the best part of your life. This is a song comes from the west to you. Comes from the west, comes from the slowly setting sun. This is a song with a request of you to see how very short the endless days will run. And when they're gone, and when the dark descends, we give anything for one more hour of life. Suggest this is the best part of your life. May I suggest? And that was a version of Susan Warner's song performed by Red Molly. In that song, Susan, you have one of the lines, one of the verses says, This is a song that comes from the West to you. So, who out east were you addressing? I mean, this was for your friend that you're speaking of in the song? quite why that metaphor came up but it shows up it, it sort of completes the thought completes itself i guess with this is a song comes from the west to you comes from the west comes from the slowly setting sun this is a song with a request for you so it's a, so there's a, it's in the west at the sunset i think that must be why that shows up that way i do believe the metaphor is a reminder that we all do run out of time so now now's the time now's the time now is a good time do it now and enjoy the now. That's the one thing you have for sure. And you also do have your memories. And I think the last song that you chose to conclude with, Sunday Mornings, is about those memories, those uh, wonderful going to Catholic Mass, I think, as a child. Is that what it's about? That's certainly a part of the song is going to church. And this is a song, I think, that speaks for many people who grew up uh, in a church-going family. There were routines on Sunday. And some of it is the great fun of togetherness if your family was a happy family and in any way and maybe in many ways like mine is. You know, there's a great closeness. We all got together in, in the car. It was a, a big American car with rear-wheel drive and all eight of us, six kids and two parents, get in the car. I mean, you're all, we're all sitting close to each other and, you know, you're almost like puppies in a basket and warm. You know, you, all, you feel each other right next to each other. And if you're not fighting too much, you know, you, you love your siblings and you love that closeness. But an important piece of this song, I think, is is where it mentions how my brother prays he will change so he does not feel so very strangely out of tune. I've had many, many gay men come up to me and say how much this song means to them because it points out uh, how little room they had to be themselves as children in a church-going family. That remains a struggle in this country. The church continues to have undue influence in determining what rights gay and lesbians and transgendered and bi people should have in this country. It's puzzling, and it is very troubling to many of us when we think about the church. Why is the church so hung up on this? 
And why does it continue to be so hung up on it? Even right now as we speak in 2009, it is puzzling, Mark, and it's something that a lot of us are waiting to see change. Sunday mornings, there is some place that I am supposed to be. Keeps returning, the feeling keeps coming over me. Just like music, or like sunlight on a distant memory. Sunday mornings, Sunday mornings. My mother choosing what to My father combs his jet black hair We are their little prizes In our Mary Janes and clip-on ties We hurry down the aisle The neighbors smile because we're late again On Sunday mornings There is some place supposed to be keeps returning the feeling keeps coming over me just like music or like sunlight on a distant memory Sunday mornings Sunday mornings Daddy pray Because the money's tight Mama prays she'll raise her children right And my brother prays he'll change So he won't feel so very strangely out of tune loud and clear You ask too many questions, dear And I said you ask too few That's why I still don't know quite what to do On Sunday mornings There is some place that I'm supposed to be Sunday morning Sunday mornings. Last song for the Song of Soul for Susan Warner, who's with me today. She's actually in Chicago, and I'm up, of course, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. 
I want to remind people that they can find more about you. They, you know, iTunes, they can go everywhere to find you. There are links on my northernspiritradio.org site. But you can also just go directly, if you remember it, to susanwerner.com, and that is W-E-R-N-E-R. Thanks so much for joining me, Susan. I do hope that people go check out some of the videos on your site and some of your music and check out, I assume there's a schedule there where you're going to be going next? Yes, there's a complete calendar of shows, and, and I'll be all around the United States all summer and, and fall, and uh, probably within a, a drive of just about everybody. So thanks so much, Mark, for having me on. I've enjoyed our conversation very much. Thanks for finding me, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about this project and, and for your receptivity to this project and its message. Thanks again. My guest for today's Song of the Soul has been Chicago-based singer-songwriter Susan Werner, source of the wonderful Gospel Truth Project. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy That in the light it will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song of the soul